0: whole year, Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 22, where the wise man, Solomon, is talking about the excellence of the Word of God, and he is advising his son to uh, pay attention to the words and incline his ear to them. And he says this in verse 22, they are life to those who find them, God's Word is, and it's health to all their flesh. And I've pointed out that the word health to all their flesh is a Hebrew word that literally means medicine or prescription for whatever is wrong in your life. <clears throat> and then in this series now that we're in, this part of the series, though the last couple of Sundays, uh, last Sunday and today, I'm talking about evolution or creation, you need to understand why. I'm actually right now talking about how to turn your doubts into faith. And this, the evolution of creation, which is the truth, is only to be understood as a part of that that series. And you say, well, why are you talking about evolution or creation? I mean, we're believers. Yeah, but I, I personally think that we have a problem in the church and that we have not addressed some of the issues that cause doubt. And I, th- I don't think you can pray for doubt to go away and expect it to go away. I think that you have to answer some questions. Jesus said it like this, you shall know the truth and the Truth shall make you free. It didn't say set you free, it's make you free. That is, the truth itself is responsible for bringing freedom in your life. That the natural order of events is truth is followed by freedom. Remove truth, then what does it leave? It still leaves bondage. And so, I see this man on this hill, this mountain. And this is another part of our text in Mark chapter 9 and verses 21 through 24. This father comes to Jesus and he says, I brought my son that's tormented by spirit to your disciples to have them cast the spirit out and they couldn't. And he said, if you can do anything, please help us. And Jesus, again, I've pointed this out each Sunday, says, if I can. (laughs) You, I, I, I demand, man, you know. You don't know who you're talking to. Have you? you haven't figured it out yet, have you? You should have been with me a few minutes ago when I was transfigured. You wouldn't be saying any of this stuff about if you can. And he says, all things are possible to them who believe. And the man, I relate so much to what this guy says. To begin with, because as I said last Sunday, It's seldom you find people that are this painfully honest in church. That they openly admit their failures and weaknesses in front of others. This guy didn't hesitate. And I want to tell you why he didn't hesitate. When you get pressed by life to a place of desperation where you don't care how you look anymore, you will have reached the level this man was at. Now, as long as you're worried about how your hair looks... And, you know, I, you know, I, all of that kind of stuff, my makeup on right and, you know, how, how do I, you know, this is my, my best profile or this one over here that kind of thing. You know, as long as that's your concern, you haven't reached the place this man's reached. This man has reached a level of desperation where he don't care about anything anymore other than getting help for his son that he loves. And he says, Lord, I do believe. But help my unbelief. I've been at that place. I will reach 63 this week. And I want to tell you something that when you have... Well, thank you. Amen. Thank you. I didn't say it for that reason, but thank you. Amen. Uh, but if you've lived life for any length of time, maybe you're one of those blessed and fortunate individuals. You, all of your paths are strewn with rose petals that don't have any thorns. And maybe every time you fall them down, somebody's thrown mattresses and, and cushions to catch you. I didn't have that. <laughs> my roses all had thorns in them, I can tell you that. And I've been through some rough places. I've been pressed to the point that I've prayed, Lord, help my unbelief. I relate to this man. And so I want to talk about reasons that we have doubt. I don't think you really address these issues and and create faith where there is doubt until you honestly answer a few questions now having said that i don't believe that true believers have to have every question answered here and you need to understand this because if you want all of your i's dotted and all of your t's crossed and an answer to every question before you ever let go of the side of the boat you might as well get back in the boat peter Because it won't happen that way. We used to sing an old song in the church that went like this. And we'll understand it better by and by. Not right now, but by and by. But having said that, we do need some answers right now. That's why Jesus said, you shall know the truth. And that truth will set you free. But I personally believe that one reason that people have become less committed And their response, there's a lot of talk about believers needing to be more committed and things like this. I think that the failure of the church to address things like evolution, creation, atheism, when they're hearing all these voices out there, even though those voices are a very small percentage of the people who live in this nation and the world, the fact that they're so vocal and they're always in the media and in your face and always confronting you and making you feel like you're unintelligent if you don't believe, you know, the way they, they do. You know, if you dare believe in the Bible, oh, well, to quote Bill Maher, that's magical thinking, you know. Or to quote Richard Dawkins or, or or Hitchens and some of the others, then they talk about your magical friend. Oh, you want to believe you're like a little child that had a, magi- a magical imaginary friend? Only you've grown up and you still believe in your imaginary friend, Jesus. And they say this condescendingly. If that gives you comfort, that's okay. But some of us have grown beyond the need. We're developed enough psychologically and intellectually. We don't need that anymore. And they really try to make you feel intimidated. But I think the failure of the church to provide reasonable, conclusive evidence and proof is one reason many people fail to attend church regularly. I think that's why they stop tithing faithfully. I think that's why many believers today don't witness and fail to study the Word of God as they should. And I think that's one reason why there's so much duplicity in the lives of some believers these days. Is because they had questions that were never answered. And all it takes is 1% of doubt and the 99% of faith that you have is ready to go, but the one percent of doubt is making you not let go and step out and completely trust your heart and life to Jesus and commit yourself fully to Him. I won't tell you the way this works until you give Him a hundred percent. You don't get a hundred percent back. What do I mean? You can give Him ninety-nine percent, but you don't cross over into that dimension of the supernatural until you have decided to completely put your confidence in Him. So in this series, I'm addressing questions that many people don't want to talk about. And speaking about evolution or creation, you'll have to pay attention to this one. Just turn to your neighbor and say joke, okay? Would you do that? All right. One day a zookeeper noticed that the orangutan in the zoo was reading two different books. One was the Bible, which teaches us that we're created by Almighty God. And the other was Darwin's origin of the species, which, of course, puts forth the theory of evolution. One teaches we're created by God. The other, we evolved. In surprise, the keeper of the zoo asked the orangutan, Why are you reading both these books? The orangutan said, Well, I wanted to find out if I'm my brother's keeper or my keeper's brother. Think about it. You'll get it on the way home. Because the Bible would have you know that you're your brother's keeper. Darwin would have you know you're your, your keeper's brother. I'm, you know, And so we all came from the same source. In this series, I'm trying to, to help you understand which is the truth. We've talked about irreducible complexity, that some systems are so complex that there's no way they could have evolved because they wouldn't have functioned. Last week, I told you about animals that use... For example, sound and sonar like dolphins and bats and, and whales and others to locate their prey. If that had to evolve, how'd they, how'd they survive for all these years? Uh, millions of years is a long time to go without a meal, I can tell you that. Amen. And we spoke about specified complexity. You can go to the Garden of the Gods in Colorado and you can see unusual rock formations carved by the wind. But you know they were carved by the wind. They weren't carved by people. Balanced rock, standing big old rock on a little bitty, like it were, finger of stone. Then you go to Mount Rushmore and you look at that and you know the wind didn't do that. Four faces of our president carved into the mountain. That specified complexity. It's not only irreducible complexity in terms of life could not have existed while it was evolving because our systems are too complex. But secondly, the fact that that those things look the way they do, that specified complexity, meaning that obviously there was a purpose in having, you don't know what it is maybe, but there was a purpose in it being that way. Now, I want to point some other things out today. I'm going to throw a lot of quotes at you today because I'm purposely doing this to overwhelm you. I want you to see that regardless of the fact that they are teaching this is scientific dogma, it's fact, That when you get among them, that scientists openly question it themselves. And many of the leading and most respected scientific voices in the world know that we did not evolve. They just say that the conclusion is we either evolved or were created into them. They'd rather believe we evolved because the fact that there is a creator to them is just unacceptable. They've closed their minds to it. Father, I'm asking you to speak to us today in Jesus' name. Transform us through the power of your word and help us to understand that not one dot or as you said, tittle of your word, not one dotting of the I, crossing of the T is incorrect, nor will it pass away. That your word is forever settled in the heavens. And help us as we study this to know That if we have been holding out that 1% of being completely and totally committed, we can let go now. Because your word has been proven through these years not to be anti-scientific but to be factual when science has often had to embarrassment change its mind about many things. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. And Everybody said amen. amen. Let me give you another reason. That many of the leading minds of our world, contrary to what you're hearing, do not accept evolution as the how we arrived. It is called the fossil problem. Now, fossils, we've all seen them. If you haven't, go to the Disney store. there in the mall in the Galleria. There are millions and millions and millions and millions of fossils that are all over the place. You can buy them. You can order them on the Internet. Fossils, all kinds of fossils. Fossils everywhere. If you've ever had crushed gravel brought into your house or or driveway, you probably have seen little pieces that had fossil ferns in them. I've seen it many times as a kid growing up. And just they're they're so common as to be, you know, not really worth much. You know what they found with all of these millions and millions and millions and millions of fossils? You know how many? How many transitional forms that is transitional between this species to this species? You know how many they found? Nod, none, zero. Now, have they ever claimed to have found any? Oh, yeah, many, many, many times they said they found transitional fossils. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But in the fossil record, there is not one single fossil. This quote from Dr. Colin Patterson, senior paleontologist at the British Museum of Natural History in London. He wrote a letter to L. Sutherland, and L. Sutherland had written to him concerning a book that Dr. Colin Patterson had published. And this is what he said. I fully agree with your comments on the lack of direct illustrations of evolutionary transitions in my book. If I knew of any fossil or living, I would certainly have included them. Yet Gold, speaking about a professor at Harvard University who is against evolution, And the American museum people are hard to contradict when they say there are no transitional fossils. Then he says, I will lay it on the line. There is not one such fossil for which one could make a watertight argument. That from the head of the British Museum of Natural History in London, England. Not one transitional fossil is there. In fact, When you study this the way I have, and if you haven't figured it out by now, I've put hundreds of hours into research for these several uh, subjects because this is not my normal field. I wanted quotes from experts. Science is constantly leaping to conclusions in the very way they criticize Christians for doing. They say we're always leaping to conclusions and blind faith. Yet, when they accuse us of being unscientific, they fail to realize they're following the same blind faith in terms of their pursuits. They pretend they have absolute evidence when they don't. I'll give you an ex- a number of examples of the so-called evidences they found. As recently as last night, I got on the Internet. You've seen it yourself. I know you've seen it in school. You remember that it starts out as the ascent of man is what the, it's called. It starts out with an ape and then another one. And at first you got this this chimp walking around like, you know, like this. And then... And then you got one that's a little bit bigger, and then you got the uh, the big one, and, and finally you got you got man starting to stand up and walk. That's the ascent of man. I saw it as recently as last night. A number of those guys that they have named and labeled in the ascent of man have since been proven to be not even in the origin of man, as you will see. Watch this here. They're always coming forward. Offering the missing link. In the 1920s, a single tooth was found in western Nebraska at the Snake Creek quarry. They declared that to be the missing link. Evolutionists did. Because of where it was discovered, the human like sketch drawn around it was called Nebraska Man. This is what's amazing. They find one little bone, or two, the size of a tooth, they make a whole man out of it. <laughs> a whole man. That's pretty good, right? Amen. And so they started saying, we have found the missing link. But a funny thing happened. Five years later, someone decided to ask a former his opinion of the tooth. He looked at it and said, it's a pig tooth. (laughs) Of course, they denied that and refuted it. But as they continued their their, their excavations, anthropologists found, guess what? The rest of the pig, including the jaw, the tooth had come out of. Bam! Bam! Another one bites the dust. <laughs> to quote Queen, amen. <laughs> amen. It's often bones or even bone fragments, and some of these have been determined to be hoaxes that some evolutionists assert to be the important links between uh, a different species. Merely because somebody finds a bone and a sophisticated artist renders a drawing that ends up in a textbook doesn't mean they have found the missing link. Orsay man was, once, was based upon what turned out to be the skull cap of a donkey. That's the, 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 the pate, the, the top of the skull. They found that aha, missing link. That's Orsay man. They did the whole sophisticated drawing. Guess what they found? It was the skull cap of a donkey. Rampithecus man, I saw this one in the Ascent of Man last night, was simply a baboon skull. Piltdown man was a hoax where a man deliberately buried a, the skull cap of a human skull and the jaw of an orangutan that had been broken. He put part of it in there, and they said, Oh, we found it, the missing link. And then he, they found out that he had done it and was laughing at them the whole time. But by this time, it had already made its way into the textbooks. Did you know that? Neanderthal man was determined to be severely bow-legged, walking like this, because he had rickets. And yet they claimed he was the missing link. He's still in the ascent of man, though they have now proven, another one that's still there, though they have proven that he was actually medically impaired. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, okay? You say, well, what about these skulls when people look funny? Don't even get me started. I've seen folk that look like missing links all the time. (laughs) You (laughs) You know what I mean? You've seen some folk, you want to run. I mean, but that don't mean that they are proof of evolution. Okay, come on, let's move on here. Amen. And then there was the, the colon camp. And that was a fish that science said when they found the fossil, put it up there, the colon camp. This is the The fossil of the colon calf, they said, aha, proof at last, the missing link. This is the creature that is evolving from a fish to climb out onto the shore because you see those back appendages, those are really legs that are growing. That's what science said. I'm serious. That's what. Now, I've been raised in Louisiana. I caught fish that looked weird, but I never seen one growing legs. And they said it went extinct 65 million years ago. That's really what they said. And they said it is the missing link between fish and amphibious creatures that crawled out that could live in both environments that eventually became monkeys and became men. Only problem was, a few years ago, they caught a living colacanth. Put it up there if you would. It didn't go extinct 65 million years ago. Since then, they have gone down with these deep submerged vessels and they've had cameras, and they found a lot of them. They just leave very, very deep in the ocean. And guess what else they have found? They're catching them now. And 65 million years ago, what they said was a fin becoming a leg. 65 million later, years later, it's still a fin. <laughs> Oops, another mistake, okay? Another one bites the dust, yeah. <laughs> I'm just being silly right now. I just... I'm having so much fun with this series. I am. Because I love to prove the Word of God is the Word of God yeah. and can be believed and dependent on. Dr. Tim White, anthropologist, University of California, concerning one mistake of mislabeling, which they're always doing, where they actually took a dolphin's rib and said, thought that this was the collarbone of the missing link. He said this incident on a par with two other embarrassing faux pas by fossil hunters, namely the one with the, the pig's tooth, and then the Piltdown man, which was the skull cap of a donkey and the jaw of an orangutan. He said that, that 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 were these were claimed to be the earth that was claimed to be the earliest Englishman. That is, he went on to say the problem with a lot of anthropologists is that they want so much to find a hominid that any scrap of bone becomes a hominid for a hominid force. What does that mean? Any little piece of bone they find, ah, this is the missing link. And it gets in the textbooks and it's hailed in the newspapers and in all the scientific journals. It's what evolutionists have been waiting for. Then a few years later they find out they were wrong. Well, you always hear the declaration, we have found the missing link. What you don't hear is the embarrassed, mm-hmm, we made a mistake, you know. <laughs> and so you're left with the impression that they're right. And this, there's even a desperation, it seems, on the part of science to, to prove something they haven't yet been able to prove. Listen to this. A 5 million-year-old piece of bone, goes, uh, Dr. Tim White continues, that was thought to be the collarbone of a human-like creature is actually part of a dolphin rib. The problem with a lot of anthropologists is they want so much to find this human bone that any scrap of bone is what they end up calling it, no matter what it belongs to. In fact, according to, uh, listen to Dr. H.S. Lipson, professor of physics, University of Manchester in the U.K., and his work entitled The Physician Looks at Evolution, and The physics, uh, phys- a Physicist Looks at Evolution in the Physics Bulletin, says, in fact, evolution became, in a sense, a scientific religion. I'd say amen to that. It's exactly what it is. It's, an, it's a religion. They have faith. They have more faith than I have. Amen. I mean, they're sticking their eternity on something they don't have a shred of evidence for. Almost all scientists have accepted it, he said, and many are prepared to bend their observations to fit in with it. Dr. Craig Kirby, senior lecturer, and that was a few years ago whenever science had swung so radically in that direction that nearly all of them believed it. Now the pendulum is swinging back the other way. And they're saying, "Uh uh-uh, not enough evidence. There is no evidence. In fact, Dr. Craig Kirby, senior lecturer in population biology at Flinders University, in an address given at a meeting of the Biology Teachers Association of South Australia, quote, not being a paleontologist, I don't want to pour too much scorn on paleontologists, but if you were to spend your life picking up bones and find the little fragments of head and little fragments of jaw, there's a very strong desire to exaggerate the importance of those fragments that's what's going on here and Dr. Lyle Watson anthropologist says modern apes for instance seem to have sprung out of nowhere they have no yesterday no fossil record and the true origin of modern humans of upright naked food tool making big brain beans is if we are to be honest with ourselves are completely uh, are an equally complete uh, mysterious matter Dr. Stephen J. Gould, professor of, of geology and paleontology at Harvard University, says this. We are not just evolving slowly, Gould says. For all practical purposes, we're not evolving. There's no reason to think we're going to get bigger brains or smaller toes or whatever. We are what we are. That's what Harvard says now. Don't you believe all of this stuff? You say, everybody there? No, not all of them do. Some of them are stubborn, got their eyes closed. But I mean, when you look at the fossil record, there's no evidence of it. Here are the facts. Absolutely no transitional forms exist anywhere in the fossil record. They haven't found one. Out of all these millions and millions and millions and millions of fossils, you would think they would find one poor little old transitional fossil somewhere. But they haven't. If they find you know, an ape, why haven't they found you know, because somewhere, if all these apes existed and now all these men and, and women exist, somewhere there should have been a whole lot of these in-betweens, if that's what we came from. They haven't found a single one, not even one. You say, why? It's because the Bible said we were created in the image of Almighty God. We didn't evolve. And what I'm here today to tell you is you can trust God. Can I hear somebody in the building shout amen? Amen. While evolutionists will suggest that it took 50 million years for a fish to evolve into an amphibian, the simple truth is there are no transitional fossil forms to prove this. There are no creatures found that evidence partial fins, partial feet, partially evolved brains, legs, eyes, organs, or other body parts. The only one they thought they had was the colon can't, and they found out 65 million years later. Still a fish, still fins. Amen. And listen to what the father of evolution, Charles Darwin, said in his books, The Origin of Species. Why, if species have descended from other species by insensibly fine graduations, that is, we slowly mutate, and these mutations, you know, we meet a, you know, our, our, our mate, and they have similar mutations, and so we produce offspring that carry these mutations and they evolve a little bit further. And over the generations we slowly evolve and we go from knuckle-draggers to slowly standing up and, and becoming human beings. Charles, even Charles Darwin said, Why do we not everywhere see innumerable transitional forms? Why is not all nature in confusion instead of the species being as we see them well defined? Okay? Now why can't we look around and not only find fossil forms of transition... Why aren't some of us in the process of evolving right now? No, I've seen some that look like they might be, as I said. No disrespect meant to any of the beautiful people here, but you understand what I'm saying. Even the father of the origin of the species asked that question. Malcolm Muggeridge, Pascal Lectures, Ontario, Canada, University of Waterloo. I myself am convinced that the theory, he said, of evolution, especially to the extent to which it has been applied, will be one of the great jokes in the history books of the future. Posterity will marvel that so flimsy and dubious an apothesis could be accepted with the credulity that it has. They're saying folk are going to laugh at us for being stupid. Somewhere in the future for ever having believed this. Again, Dr. Colin Patterson from the British Museum. In an interview with the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation. He said this, the narratives about change over time. How the dinosaurs became extinct. How the mammals evolved. Where man came from. These seem to me to be little more than storytelling. He continued, we have access to the tips of, you've heard, the evolutionary tree. It starts out with this, this thing that crawls on the beach and becomes an amphibian and it branches out and all of these different things and, you know, four-legged creatures went this way and, and, all, and, and this whole evolutionary tree that you see in textbooks. I'm going to put it up there in a minute. You'll see it. This is what he says. We have access to the tips of the tree only. Look, this is what he's saying. Only the tips of the tree, the tree itself is a theory and people who pretended to know about the tree and to describe what went on with it, how the branches came off and the twigs came off are, I think, telling stories. One of the leading paleontologists in the world. Put that that tree up there that I'm talking about. There it is. You see? All they have are the tips of the tree. None of the branches exist that connect us. No transitional fossils in between. Why not? Out of the millions and millions and millions and millions of fossils that they've found, are not there uh, evidences to present uh, this, their perspective? Speaking of the evolutionary tree, again... Dr. Stephen J. Gould, again from the, the former professor of geology and paleontology at Harvard University, said the extreme rarity of transitional forms in the fossil record persists as the secret trade of paleontology. The evolutionary tree that ador- trees that adorn our textbooks have data only at the tips and the nodes of their branches. The rest is inference, however reasonable, not the evidence of fossils. He said there's no evidence of it. There's none. We just have the tips of the branches themselves. Dr. Etheridge, senior, senior paleontologist of the British Museum again in London, said this to Dr. Sc- Scott Hoos and his collapse, uh, uh, cited rather by Dr. Scott Hoos and the collapse of evolution. Nine tenths of the talk of evolutionists is sheer nonsense, not founded on observation and wholly unsupported by facts. This museum is full of proofs of the utter fantasy of their views. In all this great museum, there is not a single particle of evidence of the transmutation of species. I think somebody in this building ought to shout right now because I'm, I'm talking about shout because that lets you know your God is real and made you. You say, why are you talking about all this stuff? Because every day your kids are in school. Your grandkids are in school. And they're hearing this. And you're wondering why they're losing their fervor and their passion for God and, and the Word of God. It's because when once you begin to doubt one thing in the Bible, how do you know where it's going to stop? Amen. Now, you may be one of those that can close your eyes and and with blind faith accept what the Bible says. But all I know is Thomas missed one church service. And Jesus showed up and answered some questions. And you know what happened? Thomas said, (laughs) I don't know what you're trying to pull. But I was there and saw him nailed to the cross. I saw him die. And unless I put my hands in the print of the nails and the wound at his side, I will not believe. And Jesus appeared the next service. You see, all you got to do is miss one church service. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe the Strohs were playing that Sunday. Maybe there was a special. He missed one church service. And ever since then, we don't call him Brother Thomas. He's not Apostle Thomas. He is... Where does doubt come from? Not being present when truth is revealed. You may be one of those that can just close your eyes and blindly accept truth. But some people need an explanation. You will never get all of your questions answered, as I said. And that's why when Jesus later appeared, Thomas said, My Lord and my God... And Jesus said, Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed. But blessed are they who believe and have not seen. Oh, hear what I'm talking about. I'm preaching better and you're responding right now. Because I'm addressing issues that will help you not be shaken. And your faith remains steadfast where you can continue to move forward in faith. Pierre Paul uh, uh, Grassi in his book Evolution of Living Organism. Uh, In his uh, article, rather, The Evolution of Living Organism, Academic Press, New York, page 103, the opportune appearance of mutations permitting animals and plants to meet their needs seems hard to believe. Yet the Darwinian theory is even more demanding. A single plant, a single animal would require thousands and thousands of lucky, appropriate events. That is, the mutation had to occur to favor. The development of that species. And ask any scientist and they tell you mutations generally always work against you rather than for you. For example, cancer is a mutation. Take your life. Mutations generally do not work for you. They work against you. But it would take multiplied thousands of favorable mutations. Thus miracles would become, he said, the rule these scientists don't believe in miracles. Or to quote Bill Maher, or Dawkins or Hitchens and some of the others, that's magical thinking. Well, guess who's doing the magical thinking now? Because miracles would become the rule, events with an infinitesimal probability could not fail to occur. They would have to occur no matter how small their probability. There is no law against daydreaming, but science must not indulge in it. And they talk about Christians daydreaming and believing in their pie in the sky. And their own mathematical probabilities indicate we're not the ones that are daydreaming. They are. Amen. Listen to what Dr. Walter James Remind in the Biotic Message says. In 10 million years, talking about mathematical probabilities, a human-like species could substitute no more than 25,000 expressed neutral mutations now, let me explain what that means. That in 10 million years, that it would take at, at least 10 million just to have 25,000 of these mutations occur that would, be, that would be neutral and not harmful to you. And he said this, unfortunately, is a mere 7,000th of 1% of the genome, nowhere near enough to account for human evolution. This is the trade secret of evolutionary geneticists what they're not telling you is that man not only the world has not only been not been here long enough that if they are right and evolution did occur the mathematical probabilities would be such and stacked so heavily against it the world would have had to been here billions and billions and billions and billions of years longer than even they acknowledge. there's not been enough time for these mutations to occur well, I knew that already because I picked up my Bible and I read in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And I read that God formed man from the dust of... Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I didn't evolve. I was divinely created by God Almighty. And so were you. Can somebody in the building shout hallelujah? Amen. Amen. Dr. Newton uh, Doctor Newton, Temizian. Te- te- Uh, He's, by the way, uh, with the Atomic Energy Commission. Anybody in here have any degrees in nuclear physics? You won't disagree with this guy? Let me tell you what he said. Scientists who go about teaching that evolution is a fact of life are great con men. And the story they are telling may be the greatest hoax ever. In explaining evolution, we do not have one iota of fact. Go to your internet, go to YouTube. This guy's even on YouTube refuting evolution. I'm talking about some of the leading minds in the world are openly now declaring this is nonsense. For a while, every scientist was quick to want to get on the bandwagon. Oh, yeah, that's fact. I'm smart. I understand it. But the more that they research, the more they find out it's impossible. And you say, but what of carbon dating? Because you see, carbon dating talks about, oh, we can figure out exactly how old. Have you ever been impressed? Some guy that says, well, this is a a 446,537,323 years old. I want to say, "Mm." (laughs) oh, hey, he's impressing me. Let me tell you the truth. Carbon dating, I discovered, and I'm not an expert on it, is a method of testing the age of fossils by measuring the amount of carbon left in a fossil. Since carbon decays at a fixed rate, the amount of carbon left can be used to determine the age of the fossil. That is, it has a half-life. When it's, it, they know exactly at the rate. It's a very solid rate, a, a, a fixed rate. It doesn't speed up, slow down, as carbon and where everything, everything living has is made of carbon. So, whenever something dies, the carbon begins to decay or deteriorate, deteriorate. And so, since they have a fixed rate, they can extrapolate from that that rate or that speed with which carbon decays and they can see how much carbon is left in something they have found, like a fossil or, so, or whatever, and they will know its age. The only thing is it's notoriously inaccurate because carbon dating only works up to 50,000 years. The reason is, is because something, when it is 50,000 years old, has lost all of its carbon. 50,000 years, carbon is completely gone. So when they tell you, we carbon dated this thing and found out it was 43,469,733 years old, they are blowing smoke is what they're doing. Because after 50,000 years, there was no more carbon left in it to date. Let me show you a little bit about this. In Australia, they found some wood and the tertiary basalt, that was, that's, that's the lava that hardens into rock from a volcano. And so they found tertiary basalt, and inside of it they found wood buried in the lava, which means that there must have been a tree or a bush, and the volcano erupted. The lava came, swallowed it up. Some of the wood was trapped inside. Okay, this is what they found. The wood was dated by uh, by radiocarbon analysis, what they call 14C dating, to be about 45,000 years old. When they dated the basalt, it was dated by potassium, the potassium argon method, which they found out it was 45 million years old. How do you get wood that's 45,000 years old inside a rock that's 45 million years old? You're not not catching the point here. Now, I've eaten jelly rolls that that tasted like the jelly was 45,000 years old, (laughs) and the bun must have been cooked 45 million years ago. But you just can't have it both ways. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? Fossil wood found in the upper Permian rock that is supposedly two hundred and fifty million years old, still contained fourteen C which means it couldn't have been what the age they declared it was. Recently, a sample of wood found in a rock classified as Middle Jurassic, supposedly some 230 million years old, gave a 14C carbon dating of 33,720 years, plus or minus 430 years. My point is, is that they're making these statements to support their findings or their beliefs, even though their own scientific methodologies do not back it up. The accompanying checks showed that the 14C date was not due to contamination and that the date was valid within the standard that is the long ages understanding of this dating system. Got one better than that. Live mollusk. You know what a mollusk is? It's like a snail, a clam, an oyster for a southern folk here, okay? Gulf Coast people. Amen. They found oysters off the California coast that had their shells. They dated them and they dated them with carbon 14. Uh, C-14 dating, and they found out that the shells died 2,000 years ago, which came as real big news to the uh, oysters that were still very much alive. (laughs) Now, when you find somebody that's that's been dead for 2,000 years and they're still walking around, you need to stop just a minute and ask yourself what's going on. Dr. W. Dart Jr., Ph.D. of geology, professor at the University of Kansas, said when the blood of a they killed a seal in McMurdo Sound in the Antarctic. When they tested its blood, guess what they found? The seal actually had died 2,000 years ago and not yesterday when they killed it. It was swimming around for 2,000 years, still dead and didn't even know it. Not only that. They found, well, listen to this, And the, the Antarctic Journal in Washington carried a story dating a Lake Bonnie seal known to have died only a few weeks before was carbon dated. The test results revealed the seal died between 515 and 715 years ago, yet it, had only, it had only been it had only died just a few weeks before that. The hair on a mammoth was found to have a carbon 14 age of 26,000 years, but the peaty soil, that's the kind of Vegetative soil in which it was preserved was found to have a carbon-4 dating of only 5,600 years. Listen, I'll tell you something else that'll blow your mind. You know what they're finding now? They're finding dinosaur footprints in the rock and human footprints in the rock right beside them. Google it. In China, they have just made a huge discovery in what they call the Lotus Mountain region of China with hundreds of dinosaur footprints, and guess what else? Human footprints in the same rock. Uh Uh-oh. Hello, Houston, we have a problem, you know. Or to say it like Queen did, another one bites the dust. You know, here's the thing. They found, uh, do you know that over 200 cultures in the world have a legend about a, a worldwide flood? Over 200 ancient cultures. The Chinese alphabet is made up of of characters that look like stick figures, if you, if you looked at it. And do you know what their word for flood is? This word goes back 2,200 years. That's the earliest they found it. The word is the number eight. Their symbol for the number eight. Their symbol for a person. And their symbol for a boat. Now, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to realize eight people were saved in the boat. In the flood. How has that become their word for flood for the last 2,200 years? I'm talking to you right now. Oh, somebody in the building needs to... And, and I looked it up last night on the internet. You can do that. I know some of you can do it when you go home. And that's exactly what I love about this church. You will study and you will find exactly what I have found. Scientists got dates in another situation when they, they checked two lava flows, the very, that they knew one had erupted 200 years ago and the other one year later. And they found out the carbon dating was one hundred and sixty five not the carbon, but the dating using a different methodology of dating was 164 million for one of the lava flows. It was 200, only 200 years old. The other that was 200, well, one year later that had erupted, they found out that it was 3 billion years old. Now, you're going to put your eternal soul in the trust of people that can't even tell? The accuracy of their testing? I'm preaching better than you're responding if I don't mind saying so myself right now. I'm talking to you because I'm knocking some of the doubts out of your heart. You've been at home with that one little percent. Well, I wonder if they're right. No, they're not right. They even admit they're not right. Amen. In light of what is known about the carbon dating the radiocarbon method and the way it's used, it's truly astonishing that many authors will cite agreeable Determinations as a proof for their beliefs, the implications of pervasive contamination and ancient variations in C4 levels are steadfastly ignored by those who base their argument, base their argument upon the dates. The radiocarbon method is still not capable of yielding accurate and reliable results. There are gross discrepancies. The chronology is uneven and relative, and the accepted dates are actually selected dates. And this is from Alan C. Riggs and Science magazine. They admit it, and you're going to let them lead you around and make you doubt the word of a God who's never let you down, not one time in his life. No, I'm not going to. Stand on the book. Can I hear somebody say amen? Stand, contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. I'm closing now. So in answer to our question, did life evolve or was it created? In addition to all of the other quotations I've given you, let me give you two more. Dr. Paul Moody, Ph.D. of zoology, emeritus professor of natural history and zoology at the University of Vermont, asked, does not science prove that there is no creator? Hasn't science proven that God doesn't exist? In other words, his answer, emphatically, science does not prove that. Can somebody in the building shout amen? Amen. And Sir Arthur Keith, you get that, Sir? It means he was knighted by the Queen of England, Sir Sir Arthur Keith, who happens to be a militant anti-Christian physical anthropologist. States evolution is unproved and improvable. Un- we believe it is because we believe it because the only alternative is special creation, which us is unthinkable get a life buddy all i can say is tough that's just the way it is you can say it's not raining all you want to but when you step outside in texas you better be carrying an umbrella that's all i can say you hear what i'm I'm talking about right now so life application points pastor why are you preaching this because some of us we're not even uh, committed to regular church attendance Sometimes we let them affect us and we say, oh, well, we're not doing so bad. At least we're going to church once in a while. It's just that little 1% thing. We're not faithful in our ties. Sometimes we have trouble believing God, you know, about different things. We have duplicity in our own lives, things hidden inside. And we, we justify it and say, well, we're not even really sure if God is real. I mean, we won't openly admit that. We're committed to coming to church the rest of our lives. But I tell you what happens is every generation there is a lessening of intensity and passion. And if we're not careful, we'll end up in the same boat that Europe has ended up in. And they gave us the Reformation, but they're so far from God right now, it's not even funny. So, what do we do? Life application points. First of all, I would say this ask yourself, with the evidence, With evidence as flimsy as what I've shown you that they say it is. Who you should ask yourself if, with this kind of evidence, being this flimsy, should you put your trust anywhere but in God? You won't put your trust in in something that flimsy? Somebody in the building say amen right now. Now, look, it's like this. If the ship's going down, you're going to put your, your, your confidence and the fact that somebody's going to go stick their finger in a hole and it's going to keep on floating? No, baby, I'm going for the lifeboat. I'll see you later. <laughs> you, you see what I mean? Why are people trusting things for which there is no evidence? Number two, ask yourself, who is the one who has always proven himself to be worthy of your trust? And I I know I'm I'm poking some fun, kind of tongue-in-cheek and being a little bit sarcastic. I don't mean it unkindly, but I'm doing that deliberately. I'm using what is called hyperbole and exaggerating the point with a little humor and poking a little fun to ask you, who in your life has never let you down? The one who's never let you down is the one with nail prints in his hands. Oh, somebody say hallelujah here this morning. So how do you apply this? Do you have to get out and memorize all this stuff that I told you? No, 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 no. But now that I've given it to you, you can see for yourself that though they keep changing their mind, God never has. And what's amazing is this book was written hundreds and even thousands of years before these guys ever came around. And they are the Johnny-come-latelys, as, as it were. And they're changing their story day by day. But God said, my word is forever settled in the heavens. You see why? This is God Almighty. They can speculate this was 460 million years old or whatever. They don't know they weren't there. But I'll tell you somebody who was. It's God Almighty. He was there and spoke the world into existence. You can trust what he said. You can trust what his observations are. So settle it now. Give yourself to him completely. Again, I am convinced that the doubts that we address as believers are often because we haven't been provided with answers concerning some of these things. And we're just told, believe the word, believe the word. But Jesus said the truth will set you free. And I'm giving you truth from their community. No, I'm not going to be able to answer every objection. They'll probably come up with another missing link next week. And it'll turn out to be the toenail of a buffalo or something. I don't know but if you want to fall for that every time they come out with it all I'm saying is historically we have never had one reason to doubt what God Almighty said and I'm not going to start doubting right now in conclusion trust and hold to the unseen hand reach up and get a hold of the hand of God He will never leave you nor forsake you somebody give Him some praise right now you can trust God. Turn to your neighbor and say, You can trust God. Yes, you can. His word said, Let God be true and every man a liar. At the end of the day, you find out God is the one who is telling you the truth. So, who you even put your trust in? Men that change their opinion every time they make a new fossil discovery and shout it out, they found a piece of bone this big and they draw a whole man out of it. I wish I could do that with my finances. (laughs) I'll give them a dollar and let let them make whole millions out of it. You know what I mean? If there's any magical thinking going on, it's with those guys. This is the truth. And people through the ages have given their heart to God without reservation. And we today are still going to do the same thing. Because I'm giving you real, factual, real-time information about what's going on in the scientific world. Stand with me across the building. And I want you to come pray with me because I want to pray with you right now. I I want to pray with you. And, you know, I love that verse of Scripture. In Isaiah, you remember it with me? The Lord said this, come and let us reason together.